Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 261. Regardless of your status in Royal Caribbean's customer loyalty program, it's hard not to dream about someday reaching the uppermost level of Crown and Anchor Society, the Pinnacle Club. Being a Pinnacle member means you are among the few that have cruised on Royal Caribbean the most and also have the opportunity to take advantage of some pretty great perks. This week, we have on the podcast with me someone that recently became a Pinnacle Club member, and we will talk about what it takes to reach the top and what being a Pinnacle member means to him. Here we go. I'm never one to look very hard for an excuse to go on another Royal Caribbean cruise, and I think a lot of veteran cruisers find a certain level of satisfaction in attaining different statuses in Crown and Anchor Society. The notion of moving up to a new level of rewards offers recognition for our continued loyalty to Royal Caribbean. On top of that, each level brings a new array of offers to save time and money. At the very top of Crown and Anchor Society lays the Pinnacle Club, which the cruise line describes as you're more than a member, you're a member of the family. At 700 points in Crown and Anchor Society, most of us can only dream of someday, maybe, just maybe, reaching Pinnacle. But it's a title that some lucky cruisers get to realize, and this week, we have one of them with us on the podcast. I've known this week's guest for a few years, and watching his ascension to Pinnacle has been inspiring and incredible at the same time. I thought it would be fun this week to talk with him about his climb to Pinnacle, what he did to get there, and what it's like now that he's reached the very top. I'm talking about a fellow Floridian, cruise nut, and yellow croc maven. It's Nick Vitani joining me on this episode. Welcome, Nick. Hey, Matt. I'm so honored to finally join you on uh, some sort of recording. This is great. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you here, Nick, because I've known you for a long time. I consider you a friend of mine. And the fact that your pinnacle means so much. I want to explain to, to our listeners, maybe they don't understand what Pinnacle means, because in Crown and Anchor Society, there's different levels of their customer loyalty program, and you can start off at gold with really three three points, right? Uh, platinum is at 30, emerald at 55, diamond at 80. These are all, you know, pretty close to each other. Pinnacle is at 700 points, which even for someone like myself, I mean, I'm not even, I can't even smell Pinnacle, let alone look at it. It's not even in that ballpark. So for someone for someone like yourself, like one of us to make it there, Nick, I think a lot of us are so happy to have seen you do this because let's start at the beginning, though. Um, I want to go back a little bit. I'm not sure how far back we're going to go in this story, Nick, but talk to us about when you kind of just had an idea and an eye for Pinnacle. Like when was it on your radar? Well, Actually, I attained it pretty quickly, and let me just go through a quick history. My my first cruise ever in my life was in uh, 2000 on the Sovereign of the Seas. I did not take another cruise again till four years later, and I only took one cruise then. That was the Enchantment, and I took one cruise that year, and I think I took one cruise the next year. 2006, I think I took two or three cruises. So really, you know, between 2000 and 2008. I was like a normal one cruise a year, maybe one or two here and there, but it was nothing. Um, when I joined the Club Royale at the time, uh, it was in 2010, and they had a loyalty program for the casino members, and it was quite different than it was today, so it was more like an invitation only, and that enabled me to take more cruises. So really, I got started with cruising on a more regular basis only uh, in 2011 is really when I started. 
So the the Club Royale, which we should explain, is and you mentioned a little bit, is the is the Royal Caribbean Casino loyalty program essentially, where they reward you for the more time and money you spend in the casino. And essentially, that was like enabling your cruising options because it offered you some more possibilities. Is that is that fair to say? It enabled, yes, it enabled the addiction <laughs> because. <laughs> When you gamble during the cruise, at the end of the cruise, based on your points, you get uh, either a free cruise or a heavily discounted cruise. So whether I won some or even lost a little bit, the free cruise usually was more than I would lose. So it just kept me going. Um, And the other day I was talking to my brother. We have lunch once a week. And he was asking me, how many cruises did you take last year? And I'm like, I don't even know. And I have the, uh, the Royal app which has your cruise history. So I said, you know what? Let me just see how many, just for grins, how many actually cruises did I take in 2017? And I couldn't even believe it. I took 31 cruises in 2017. Wow. So I was like, that's where all the points came from. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. So, so again, let's, let's keep in your story here. So you get to, you're a one a year, one cruise a year kind of guy. And then you enter, start doing club Royale and it allows you to cruise more often was it kind of a, would you say it was like a natural progression? Like maybe it went from like one to like, you know, three a year and then five a year? Or was it really like a steep incline and you just started going quite often? Starting in 2009, I started taking about four or five per year. Um, in 2013, I had about six or seven per year. So it was still five to seven per year. But 2015 is really when I stepped it up and I took some longer cruises and even in 2015, I'm, I'm thinking about three years ago from this month, I did the Anthem of the Seas, which was a 12-night. And I remember in the concierge lounge, we were talking to some people, and when they said they had over 350 points because they got their meal with an officer, and I was like, what is meal with an officer? And they said, oh, you don't have 350 points, do you? I'm like, no. I didn't even know. I had like 200 and something points, and at that time – you know, when someone said Pinnacle, I was like, you know, forget about it. I'm not even going to worry about Pinnacle. Then right. all of a sudden, in uh, 2016 and 2017, I saw I had so many cruises booked. I started having to keep a spreadsheet, and I looked at where I would be at the end of 2017, and I was like, you know what? We're almost there. We might as well just go for it. Nice. So you made a conscious effort, really, to once you started getting, you know, kind of there. To, to go to become a Pinnacle member. Um, what is being a Pinnacle? Why, before I even get there, why, why, what was the draw for Pinnacle? Was it, are you like the kind of person who just likes to, you know, max everything out and like you enjoy the challenge of it? Do you, did you, do you feel like being a Pinnacle member, you know, is going to get you more of a better cruise experience? Like, what was the draw for you? Well, I think it was just, I'm a goal oriented person and. Sure. The number of 700, just like, wow, I can't believe I might as well go for it now because what if they change the program and say now you need a thousand points or or something? And I was like so close. I had so many cruises already booked. So I just I had so many offers from the casino that I said, you know what, I'll just go on a lot of cruises. And I did a lot of solo cruises because um, not because I did it purposely to get the points, but my wife couldn't go all the time. So because I had so many offers, she didn't want me to turn away. I said, okay, I'll just do all these three-night cruises. And I did so many three-night cruises, and many of them were junior suites comped. And I thought, you know what? Might as well just schedule everything and, and just go for it. But you know, in actuality, the Club Royale benefits are at or above 
pinnacle in many of the areas. So, I mean, the, the benefits are pinnacle or, or like, okay, I've been kind of getting the same treatment in the Club Royale, but I would think it was more of just getting to the level before just in case they change it. But I don't have any any reason to think they were going to change it, but just in case. Sure, that makes sense. Which sailing did you actually hit pinnacle on? Uh, it was the June 1st Enchantment of the Seas. So that was, what, a three-night sailing? Yes. Yeah, I did a three-night sailing and uh, didn't do the celebration until the June 29th uh, Mariner of the Seas when my wife joined me on that one. So on the <laughs> June 1st, I, I hid low. I didn't want to say anything to anyone on board because I didn't want to be recognized without her. So I wanted to definitely do it on the Mariner. Oh, what a good guy. Look at that. He wants his wife there. He wants to join the celebration. Absolutely. That makes sense. So now that you're Pinnacle, what does it mean to you to be a Pinnacle member, Nick? It really doesn't mean anything. I, I'm not one for wanting a you know, recognition or I don't want to, you know, some people go, oh, we want to find just the right ship to do Pinnacle on so we can get the most bang for the buck and get all this recognition. And I didn't, I didn't really didn't want to be recognized at all. Um, and I'm probably going to be one of those that will never wear a pinnacle badge. Um, and when I saw, I talked to super Mario a few times, I sailed with him a few times and he's a very nice guy, but you know, his, he, he passed along his wisdom to me up, upon the, you know, the coronation or whatever. And he says, let me just tell you one thing. Don't change your DNA. That's what he said. Just be, be Nick, be who you are and don't change just because you're pinnacle. And I said, I will not change my DNA. I'm going to still be the normal person. And, you know, a lot of the crew members actually were surprised. They said, we thought you were already pinnacle because we see you all the time. And, you know, <laughs> so I, they treat me like family. And, you know, that's really what I like most about, you know, cruising frequently is they treat me like family. And, I mean, it's nice to get, you know, whatever benefits you get. But it's like I really don't care. I'm not going to complain if, if I don't get a – if they forget my bottle of wine or, you know, whatever, it doesn't really mean much to me other than, you know, it's just, it's a nice thing to have. And I think the one of all the benefits that Pinnacle has, the one thing I'm really uh, looking forward to enjoying the most is on the Oasis class, you get full access to the coastal kitchen and the sweets lounge, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I oh. hear at lunch, you get free wine and beer uh, because they have that bar right there in the center between the Sweets Lounge and the Coastal Kitchen. Um, however, we don't sail Oasis class very often. Um, so we have two coming up, and that's really going to be it. We don't really have a desire to go on because of the itineraries. We'd rather go to more exotic ports. Sure. Uh, and that's a great answer, Nick, honestly, the way that you said in the, in the advice that Super Mario gave you about you know, just staying true to yourself, and it's not about you know the fact you've got a different pin on your lapel. Uh, I love that answer. I think it's a really great perspective from it. Um, I guess that the question though I got to ask you is, I've Nick, since I've known you, um, you've been Mister like I'm going on a cruise like every other week. We often joke like you know, is it is it it's the weekend? Nick's probably gone on a cruise right now. So now that you're Pinnacle, you know, part of that was the reason why you were cruising so often was to kind of get to Pinnacle, and you know, you wanted to get there. You were goal oriented person, like you said. Is it going to, are you going to change the rate at which you cruise now? I probably will cut back on the amount of solo cruises for two reasons. One, um, I don't need the points. Um, I will still go at least once a month, if not twice a month, especially if I have casino offers, but my wife will be joining me more and more 
because you only live once, YOLO. That's right, YOLO. And, you know, the, the other reason is now that I'm living in Orlando but now working all week in West Palm Beach, I see my wife very little. So I don't want to go on a weekend cruise without her and, you know, then be gone all week working. And, you know, that wouldn't be conducive. So, you know, when I was living there in Orlando and I see her all week, then I do a weekend cruise. It was no big deal. But now my living arrangements are, you know, going to stop me from from doing that. I just, you know, I have actually turned down some complimentary cruises because I'm like, I just can't go any more solo cruises because I don't see my wife during the week. So that's more important. There you go. I like that. Now, you mentioned Mariner of the Seas. And oh, I'm yeah. Glad you did because Mariner of the Seas just got a massive refurbishment. She was the second Royal Caribbean ship to get a major makeover as part of the Royal Amplified program. And currently, she's offering three and four night sailings out of Port Miami. Uh, in 2019, she's going to move up to Port Canaveral, uh, which I think you and I are going to be very excited for having it in our backyard over there. Um, but let's talk about Mariner of the Seas because. I know a lot of folks are really now keen on maybe giving her a try. You know, the idea of a quick weekend getaway cruise on a large ship like Mariner and some of the upgrades she got looked truly impressive. So let's start off, Nick. What, what's your take on the, first of all, just like kind of an overall take on Mariner of the Seas upgrades and what they do with the ship, especially since you had been on her a number of years ago? Yes, this ship is a game changer. Um, I just want to add that when I first cruised, I actually went up naturally in progression from smaller ships to bigger ships. So each time I went on my next cruise, I went on a bigger ship and I was more impressed. So I think when someone starts off on an Oasis or a Harmony, it's like you're, you're um, ruining the, the, the um, appreciation, you know, when you go down to like the brilliance, you know, but if you went on the brilliance first, you would be wowed and, you know, versus going on Oasis first. But when I did Sovereign first and then Enchantment, my third cruise was on the Mariner, and you could imagine how big the Mariner was compared to the Enchantment. It was the most elegant ship. It was amazing. And at the time, it was, it was 2006, so it was still fairly new. But they have done an amazing transformation. They, they took away the, um, the lounge. They had a two-story, you know, like a South Beach type of lounge, and they did so many changes to the ship. But it, it reminds me of when what they did to the empress everything inside is brand new they have some very unique venues um some of the spaces we really really like is the um um, the bamboo room beautiful it's like a, a retro havana style with the colorful lights like a tiki tiki you know room and the boardwalk bar and grill i'm sorry the um playmakers sports bar and grill um, they have a new suites lounge, which we got to enjoy. And we met the most amazing concierge we ever met, this guy from China named Tao. Um, the sports deck is amazing. The sky pad, the, um, which is the virtual reality bungee trampoline. You put these, I never wore vir- virtual headsets before, and I was thinking it was going to be some cheesy you know, thing that you look like you're wearing you know, some kind of goggles. It actually yeah. made you feel like you were in this fantasy world. And you're jumping up and down. You're crushing the candies. Like when you jump up, you got to hit the M&Ms above you. And then when you land, you have to land on like the marshmallows. And you have to go through all these stages. They call it candy crush. But it's, you know, you're basically crushing things. And it's just it just transports you into a whole fantasy world. It's really, really cool. And the flow rider, I just love it. Because, you know, I'm going to get a lot of practice on the flow rider. Um, 
everything in the ship. I went to Jamie's Italian three nights in a row. It was so amazing. Um, they've got the Izumi hibachi, um, the chops, of course, and everything inside the ship is is basically brand new. It is just so nice. It's and they when Michael Bailey several years ago, well, this was only like two or three years ago, they came up with this idea that. And I heard the same thing. I'd hear people from uh, on the Majesty and the Enchantment, the, the three night cruises, and, and all these millennials were bored. Where's the comedy club? Where's there's nothing to do? This is boring. And so the millennials are the ones now where they don't want stuff. They want memories. So Royal Caribbean has realized that they don't have the time or the inclination to take longer vacations, and they also want to make memories. So. They took advantage and decided to to roll out the uh, Voyager class doing the three-night cruises. And at some point, uh, back a couple years ago, they were even considering having the Oasis do some three-night cruises. But they did you know, the Voyager class. So no, Navigator and Mariner are the ones. And it is just a game changer. The Mariner is, is uh, selling very well. I When I try to book some solo cruises on it, they won't even give me the... 150% solo supplement that you get at 340 points because they're mm. selling them so well that they don't have to give any uh, discounts. Right. Um, but we, my wife was just so impressed. And um, so right now I have several booked out of Miami, uh, which is actually more convenient for me. And so we're going to be doing uh, the next one on Mariner, August 31st. And my wife's going to fly from Orlando and I'm going to pick her up in, in Fort Lauderdale and just driver to the ship and then you know she's flying back to orlando and i'm staying down here so nice we do what we got to do but you know we just love the mariner yeah i was gonna ask you of all the new places the new the all the new additions sound amazing and uh your description of them you know i i can't wait to try it out myself is there is there a particular venue or spot or activity something that drew like where you ended up spending most of your time or more of your time something that really is there a place on the ship that you you prefer, I guess, you know, or are you just drawn to more than others? We really love the bamboo room. It's yes. not crowded at all. Um, the diamond drinks don't work in there, so you actually have to have a drink package to sit in there and drink or buy drinks a la carte. Right, right. Um, we loved the suites lounge, so if you have a grand suite or above, that's a beautiful space. But they also, for the diamond members and above, they have the, the Viking Crown Lounge and it's beautiful as well. Um, we love strolling, of course, down the Royal Promenade. And um, the Boleros is really cool. The Boleros re- reminds me it's the same decor as the one on the Empress of the Seas. Oh. Um, it's off on the side where, like, uh, there's a star, the world's, or I guess the largest Starbucks at sea is on the Mariner on that same deck. And the Boleros is off on the opposite side, but it's got the same decor as the one on the empress like a retro 50s and 60s havana um those are pretty cool spots but i think our favorite places were either the sweets lounge which we love to hang out uh during the night and during the day we'd stroll down the royal promenade and and go in the bamboo room and um they have some really cool specialty drinks in there and um but i mean they have the, the helipad and then and i didn't even know this until i saw it on your your blog they have a miniature golf course, and it's not even on the the handout. They give you a little handout, a little foldout of the deck uh-huh. plans, and the golf course isn't even on there. And when I saw the photos, and you mentioned it was at the front of the ship, and I was like, oh, man, I didn't even see it. 
So that'll give me one more thing to see when I get back on uh, in a few weeks. Let me ask you this. And if we were to go to the bamboo lounge, bamboo room, what would be, is there a particular drink on the menu you think is, uh, is your favorite? Um, boy, there's a few that look really interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's like rum, rum drinks. They have some with a couple different kinds of rums and just kind of unique looking drinks. Yeah. Um, I like the sweeter kind of drinks, but yeah, they've got some different kind of rums, um, to make, you know, sort of like a, uh, just a mixed drink with rum, different types nice. of rums. And it just uh, makes it seem like you're in another world. Absolutely. I can't wait to go on there, Nick. It's, oh, and they also have a, vir- they have a virtual porthole, uh, in one of the seats there, you actually sit there and it's like the, um, an actual streaming, uh, video of a beautiful beach, you know, the ocean's blue and you actually oh, cool. think you're sitting there. So there's a lot of little hidden gems, um, on the Mariner. And of course they have the peekaboo bridge. And, um, one thing I want to mention, I'll tie this back around to the pinnacle celebration. So on this cruise, they recognized us. I mean, we didn't even, as soon as we got to our room at 1230, there was a, a message on our phone, and it was already the loyalty ambassador that said they want to recognize us. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And so, you know, they don't do top-tier events on the three-nighters anymore. They don't do um, any kind of, like, top – well, they do top cruiser, but that's it. Um, but we didn't know what they were going to do. So the loyalty ambassador met us up in the Suites Lounge, and she said, uh, Saturday night we're going to have uh, – there was four other pin on board and they said we're going to have a, a, a champagne toast and a cake for us up on the bridge just the you know the five of us or six of us and so we met at 5 30 up in the bridge and it was just the four other pinnacles me and my wife and then of course the captain staff captain and uh, loyalty ambassador and hotel director and it was just us in that little private setting and it was so cool they had champagne they had a big cake for us and they took a photograph and so I think about the, all the people that are turning Pinnacle and they're now planning it in advance, thinking, oh, I want to do it on the Oasis because you get to go in the aqua theater in front of everyone and get all this. And, you know, and they did this. And I'm like, I liked this so much better because I don't really want people, you know, celebrating me. And, you know, I just don't want that. And so after the next morning, Super Mario came and asked me, he goes, I have a question for you. He goes, so what we did last night, he goes, would you prefer that or do you want like at a top tier with everyone? I said, oh, no, what they did was perfect, nice and private. And, you know, I don't want all the fanfare. And, you know, I kind of was like, just let's get it over with, you know, but it was really nice. Nice. Um, I, it was really, just a great time. That's great to hear, Nick. I really appreciate you taking the time to tell us about this and share this experience with you. And before I let you go, Nick, I want to. Help you know. I want to always get to know our, our podcast guests a little better. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions about how you like to cruise on Royal Caribbean. So just say the first thing that comes to your head as soon as I give you the question. You ready to go? Okay. All right. Since you sailed on Mariner of the Seas, what's your best tip for someone going on Mariner for the first time? Go to Jamie's Italian Restaurant. Okay. Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> Preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'd say the most common drink, I have to be gin and tonic. <laughs> That's good. I, order, 
I order those more than any others. That's my old go old standby. Favorite port of call to visit? Oh, I have to, if I have to pick one. Mm-hmm. St. Lucia. St. Lucia. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I like it. And what's your uh, what's your favorite song you're listening to these days on the radio or on your on your phone, wherever you happen to listen to music? If I'm getting in the cruising mood, it has to be Kenny Chesney. Anything by Kenny Chesney. Chesney. Great choice. I like that. Nick, thank you so much for coming on here and talking with us about being a Pinnacle member and, of course, the brand new Mariner of the Seas. And one thing I'd like to add, another, you know, another tip that, you know, I guess was passed along from other Pinnacle members. And, and they say that, you know, you really are an ambassador of the brand. And so try to, you know, hold up the brand because you're an ambassador. And, you know, there are some pinnacles that are complainers and they call them painacles. You know, don't be one of those. Be yourself. Stay yourself. Um, and just be an ambassador and, and, you know, don't be one of those that thinks you deserve better treatment than anyone else. And, I, you know, I'm going to stay that way and not change my DNA, just like Super Mario said. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. It's time to answer your Royal Caribbean questions. This is the part of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast where we dive right into that Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast inbox and answer the questions and emails you have sent me all about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise. And if you're wondering, hey, I would love to send Matt an email. Well, good news, you can do so by sending an email to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email is from Jeff from New Jersey. He writes, Hi, Matt. I'm a new listener from South Jersey and an avid Royal Caribbean cruiser. I just caught your Disney versus Royal Caribbean episode, and I thought I'd add some of my own experiences that I thought could factor into a person's decision to choose between Royal and Disney. I've been on two Disney cruises, one on each ship. Uh, one was in the Caribbean, there was in the Baltic. Number one, my daughter started sailing when she was eight months old, and we sailed every, almost every year for the past five years. Regarding the kids' club, I agree the sizes of the kids' spaces are different between the cruise lines, but what is important is how the children are divided and how the spaces are used. For example, on the Fantasy, the Disney Kids Club for three to 12 year olds is quite large, only broken up between two large spaces that they can jump between on their own. They have their own corridor. Each large space had its own themed areas in which decorations and technology were used to immerse the child in the theme and to use, have them use their imagination with little interaction with the counselors. We found the Disney counselors to be incredibly nice, but appeared to engage the children when they were set when they were set activities along a schedule. This area was open for all kids ages 3 to 12, creating very large groups of children. My daughter and nieces found the large space, large groups, and older children to be intimidating and didn't want to go to the club often because of it. The spaces were so large, the counselors would use the location function of my daughter's Mickey's band to tell us which section of the club she was in when we would go pick her up. We had found our daughter to be more responsive to the Royal Caribbean kids' activities because she's in smaller groups. All the children are closer to her own age as the Royal Caribbean uh, clubs are split into smaller groups and rooms. Also, the counselors at Royal Caribbean appear to have a more of a continuous interaction with the children, keeping them engaged through multiple activities. The Royal Caribbean activities had a different theme each day to keep the kids engaged. In summary, Royal Caribbean's Kids Club had the appearance of a daycare center or classroom, whereas the Disney Kids areas used themes and technologies such as interactive dance floors and putting on a virtual Iron Man suit to make you feel like you are in an extension of the theme park. If you like your child to tell you stories about pajama parties, face painting, and playing hide-and-go-seek with counselors, then Royal Caribbean is the right path. If you want your kid to tell you they talked to a virtual turtle and was read stories by the occasional princess or Jedi, then Disney is your choice. 
And second, for parents selling on Royal Caribbean, the dining time child drop-off is priceless. I can't believe you have not mentioned it. This was not offered on the Disney ships I was on. For Royal Caribbean in the early dining time, 5.30 p.m., we would request our daughter's meal to be served during our appetizers. About the time we were finished with our appetizer, about 6.10 or so, she would be finished with her meal. I would then escort her outside the dining room where a kids' club counselor would be gathering kids from their parents and signing the kids into the kids' club. Around 6.30, the children would be escorted by the kids' club by the counselors, allowing the parents to enjoy the remainder of their meal at their own pace without having the kids uh, engaged or entertained. Hope this is helpful, and I hope you've been able to take advantage of this program in the past. Jeff, great email. Thank you for everything, and I agree with a lot of what you said over there. Number one, your summary of the kids' clubs or the kids' areas on Disney versus Royal Caribbean sounds a lot like what I had heard. Basically, what I've heard from other parents on Disney Cruise Line is that their kids' club area, while large, is more like free-range child care, where the kids go in, it's a large area, but it's less structured, whereas Royal Caribbean, they go in there, and the kids are doing, okay, we're going to do A, then B, then C, then D. And for, you know, it, depending on your child, that may or may not be a good or a bad thing, it just kind of goes there. Certainly, my kids enjoy the fact that there is structure to it. They look forward to every evening what the different activities are going to be. They'll often ask me, hey, Daddy, what's the you know, what's the theme for tonight? What activities are we going to do? And so forth. So, sounds about right. And the other part, you're absolutely right. Jeff is talking about, in the second part, he's talking about my family time dining. This is part of traditional dining where you, like Jeff said, you go to the first seating. You have to sign up for this particular program. It's easy to do. And they can uh, come and pick up your kids for you. Uh, like I said in the beginning of the meal, the idea is that basically you can have a meal with your kids and then uh, and then they get taken away from you and you get to enjoy the rest of the meal by yourselves. I floated this idea to my, to my wife because we kind of thought, oh, well, that might be a nice idea, except we kind of decided we still don't want to eat with our kids. <laughs> we would prefer to have a whole meal to ourselves and late dining by ourselves. And we prefer just to feed them on our own and then escort them up to Adventure Ocean when they begin at 7. It's, uh, you know, to each their own, I suppose. But, Jeff, thank you for the email, dude. Great uh, feedback. Next, we have an email from uh, Tim who writes, Love your podcast. I really appreciate all your insight into Royal Caribbean Cruising. We live firsthand the experience of day-to-day monitoring of flights to Barcelona and found that, depending on the airline, that some had discounted rates for our kids, like 9 and 11 years old. The other reason I wanted to write is I recently uh, read about using a mobile hotspot while in Europe for a much better rate than adding a package to your cell phone plan, and you can use up to five devices. We just ordered from TEP Wireless, T-E-P, wireless and we'll be giving it a test run on our cruise on symphony of the seas in june i'd love to give a cruise review as well thanks again for all you do well tim thank you for the idea and certainly let me know how it went i think you're back from your cruise already so i'd love to hear about that tep wireless tep wireless uh you know certainly some point we're going to get over to europe and i'm definitely looking for a way to stay connected anywhere i go for you know i want the convenience and also don't want to pay an arm and a leg for it so that's really good information thank you tim Next, we have an email from uh, another Tim, not the same Tim, different Tim. Who writes, I'm at Love the Podcast blog and Facebook live sessions. I've only been on one cruise, and that was Disney Magic for our honeymoon in 2000. I booked the Western Caribbean Ocean View Balcony Harmony of the Seas in July. I know that it might be a bit different than Disney Magic. I booked the Dolphin Push Pull with Lunch and Beach Break Shore Excursion at Chakana Beach Adventure Park through Royal Caribbean. On my cruise planner, it states that the excursion is only from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. and we're born until 7 p.m. It will be my wife and two kids, ages 13 and 16. From, uh, from this, I have a few questions for you. Number one, does the transportation, a.k.a. bus, leave at 1 to go back to the port? Um, if the excursion says it's from 9 to 1, yeah. I'm not sure you're going to leave at 1 or you'll be back at 1, but assume it's somewhere in that ballpark. 
Uh, it may be like, you know, plus or minus 15 minutes because in Cozumel, it's not really ever that far from where you are in Cozumel to the place. The only exception would be if you went over the mainland. I don't think Chakanab is on the mainland. We're in Tulum. I think it's still in Cozumel. Number two, would the 901 window be enough time to do other activities in Chakanab like snuba or kayaking? Uh, granted, I've never been to Chakanab, but I would imagine yes. I mean, if you basically don't have to be back until 7, which really means you need to be back at, oh, I would say closer to 6. And even then, I would still get there a little earlier. That leaves you a solid four or five hours before you really need to be back to the ship. So yes, I would imagine you'd have enough time to do something else. And number three, are we able to, are we able to, or should we spend extra time in Chakanab or taxi it back to Port or San Miguel? Uh, thanks for all you do. Can't wait for this trip, but I'm afraid of getting sucked into the next cruise store on board for Perfect Day and Coca-Cola upon Symphony of the Seas. Uh, getting sucked into the next cruise store is not a bad thing. I'll tell you that, Tim. Um, you know, in terms of what you should do, if this is your first time to Cozumel, you might consider doing something different. I mean, I, if it were me, I would do the 9-to-1 thing, and then I might consider going, you're going to need to eat lunch. And the food in town in San Miguel which is the downtown area of Cozumel, is way better than any food you're ever going to find, really, in any of these resorts, excursions, etc. I'm not saying that's not bad, but it's just better. I find a much wider selection, more authentic food, certainly. Unless, of course, you head to, like, the Hooters or the or the Margaritaville, in which case it's basically the same thing. Um, but assuming you want more authentic food, uh, that might be a good idea. And then you can do some shopping in town. It kind of depends what you're looking to do. Of course, you're already in Chakanab, and if your excursion includes admission for the rest of the day... If there's no additional cost for, like, you know, the snuba or kayaking, then I might lean towards that and just stay where you are and grab a bite to eat while you're on the excursion. But if it costs you extra to do something like that, you might consider doing something a little extra uh, outside of Chakanab. Um, like I said, I like going downtown. I think it's definitely worth going to. Uh, you know, for the food, there's shopping to be enjoyed over there. It's a nice area, I gotta tell you. And, uh, I, now granted, I think you're going during the summer, so maybe staying by the beach isn't a bad idea. I love Cozumel, but when it's the really warmer months of the year, and you're just walking around downtown, I, I love walking around downtown, but when it's really hot out, it's just not that fun. And especially, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, it's not a great time to do that. So I might be leaning towards just staying at Chakanab, assuming it's not going to cost you a lot more money, or really any money, to, uh, to stay there. But, Tim, thank you for the email. Appreciate it. Our next email is from our good friend uh, Doc LC on the message boards, Dr. L- Chris Lapine Christensen, where it's on a recent podcast episode, someone asked about the budget European carriers, and I thought I'd share my experience. While I prefer the traditional airlines for service and inclusiveness, we ended up flying a Norwegian Air this past January, mainly because they were the only one of the two airlines that flew directly from Los Angeles to Paris, and the price was phenomenal. The price was so reasonable that my cheap self even splurged for their premium economy on the overnight flight for comfort and airport lounge access. The flights were fine, and they operate new Boeing 787 aircraft. The legroom and seats were on par with traditional airlines, but you do need to be careful on how you book. If you book the bare-bones price, nothing is included. However, if you go to their next pricing tier, less than $100 more, then checked luggage, advanced reserved seat assignments, meals, and beverages are included, which puts them in line with the traditional airlines for service. The only downside is that the beverages are only served with meals, whereas on other airlines, you could get them continuously throughout the trip. We even had a celebrity on our flight, but he's affiliated with another cruise line, so I won't mention him here. I'd fly Norwegian Air again if the price was right, would probably go with American, Delta, Virgin, Atlantic, United, or British Airlines for the same or similar prices. Great insight there. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. Good information there. Love when we get to share some good uh, insight and, and advice and firsthand experiences. 
Uh, next is an email from Kristen who writes, Hey Matt, thank you so much for your awesome podcast. I've started listening over the last few months and I'm now backtracking, trying to catch up. I've done four Royal Caribbean cruises, but my last three have been Norwegian Cruise Line. Listening to your podcast has made me want to try Royal Caribbean again. I YOLO booked a seven-night spring break cruise. I'm a teacher, so the only time I can really go. For my boyfriend and I on Anthem of the Seas for April 2019. We have an overnight Bermuda and then sail up to Boston for a day, then back to New Jersey. My question is, I'm a little worried about booking an early excursion, possibly on to the Sam Adams Brewery Tour for their morning mash, when I'm not quite sure what we'll have to do to clear customs or immigration. The ship is set to dock at 8 a.m. The tour is at 9.30. Do you have any details of what we'll have to do as passengers that morning? Thanks for all you do, and looking forward to experiencing Royal once again. So Kristen's talking about basically her ship's leaving from New Jersey, going to Bermuda, which means she's leaving the country, and then coming to Boston, which is re-entering the country. And on Royal Caribbean cruises in which you re-enter the country after going to another foreign port, whether it's your you know, last stop, like the cruise is over or a stop along the way, you do have to go through a customs program, Kristen. I can only tell you what has happened in the past on cruises that do this in the Caribbean, where they go to like, let's say Havana or somewhere in the Caribbean and then go to like Key West as a stop. And in that situation, there's usually a customs pr- a process to follow. Now, if you're booking this excursion through Royal Caribbean, Kristen, I wouldn't worry about it. Clearly, they've got to be aware of that and kind of go through it. Um, if you're booking on your own, yeah, that could be kind of an issue there. And I would look at uh, what the cancellation policy is and more importantly, maybe, you know, how much money you really have to put down. For a lot of excursions that you do on your own, you, you usually only put down like a deposit. Um, but I would check with them and see what that's, you know, what the policy is for that first and foremost, just to, just to make sure. Now, if they say your ship is going to, you know, dock, uh, I think you said at 8 a.m. or so. Um, oh, 8 a.m., right. And the tour is at 9.30. It, I mean, it, there's a possibility of some issues there you might run into. I can't promise you one way or the other. Only anybody can, quite honestly. I know that on cruises in which they've done this, you know, in Key West, there can be a bit of a, a lengthy process. And, like, in all situations like this, you either want to be, like, the first person in line or you want to be, like, the last person in line. Or not in line. You just wait for the line to die down and then you go. I think it's one or the other. You definitely don't want to show up in the middle there because then you just wait in the long line. Um, so my recommendation to you might be once you get on board the ship, uh, talk to whomever might be appropriate uh, for kind of, you know, I'm going to get services and kind of inquire about it. Now, again, if you're booking through the Royal Caribbean, I wouldn't worry too much about it. If it's a third party, you might need to do a little more homework to ensure you're off the ship in time. I mean, I got to think, I mean, granted, the time you dock and the time you're cleared are two very different things. But, you know, this isn't their first rodeo either. I think they're, you know, they're going to do it as fast as they can, certainly. Um, you just have to be have a little bit of patience and understanding in this kind of situation because it's not Royal Caribbean, it's the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, and they move at their own pace, certainly. Next, we have an email from uh, Mark Hennessy. is still in Connecticut, so jealous that you got out. Uh, I'm listening to your podcast while I cut the grass. It's like I got two kids in college. It'll be a while before we can cruise again, so your podcast keeps me connected to Royal Caribbean. In any event, I just heard your response to the military member who's contemplating a Disney visit in concert with his Royal Caribbean cruise. As a military member, Derek has options he may not know about. There is a military morale, welfare, and recreation resort at Walt Disney World called Shades of Green. They have a website, shadesofgreen.org. It's right on Disney World property, on the golf course near the Polynesian and Grand Floridian Resorts. Even if Derek doesn't stay at the resort, he can use the ticket office there. This allows military members, retirees, and people in a few other categories to buy Disney World park tickets that are discounted for military members and their families. In addition, this office sells tickets from many of the Orlando attractions, all with a discount. 
Tickets to everything from the parks to medieval times are available. I've had the good fortune to take my family to Shades of Green twice. It is an excellent resort and ideally located. The website has a section devoted, or devoted, I should say, to who is eligible to stay at the resort. In a nutshell, if you have a military ID, you, you're good to go. Thanks for all you do on the blog and podcast. I hope one day to meet you in person on a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for the email. Thank you for your service, Mark. And uh, great information there. I was aware of Shades of Green. I was not aware of quite the level of service they offer there and the discounted tickets. Um, Shades of Green is a, is a t- actually, it's a it's a resort, a hotel resort on Disney World property, just like Mark said. Um, actually, the one thing I do know about Shades of Green is the rate you pay for the room is dependent on your rank in the military. And the idea is that if, like, you're a four-star, if you're a general, you're going to pay more than someone who's a private. And obviously, it's a... The, the scale goes up from there or down from there, you know, depending on what your rank is in the military. So it's kind of a neat thing there. And uh, Mark, it's a great recommendation for somebody who's looking to work in Disney World in addition to maybe a, a cruise vacation. Because a lot of people like to, you know, they're in the central Florida area, maybe go on a cruise at Port Canaveral. You know, you're already in town there, so... Uh, next, we have an email from uh, Murph who writes, I was thrilled with your bonus podcast on Coco K Editions. You said something I didn't understand, and I was hoping you could clarify it for me. You mentioned that the price of the drink package was different depending on the time of cruise and ship. Is this correct, and how can I find out the difference when I'm shopping for cruises? Thanks again. Keep the good work at the podcast. Uh, Murph, it is absolutely true. There is no. What I meant was there is no set price for, the, for Royal Caribbean's deluxe beverage package, a.k.a. the unlimited alcohol package. The price of it will vary from ship to ship, sailing to sailing, meaning there's there's like no set price. Back in a long time ago when they first introduced them, there was a set price, but Brokerman's got away from that. Basically, Murph, there's no guarantee one way or another what the price is. It can vary significantly. Um, you want to know if is there a way you could see it before you book a cruise? Not that I'm aware of, because in order to see the price, you need to get to the cruise planner, and you can't get to the cruise planner without a booking ID. I suppose, theoretically, you could put a hold down and then use the hold reservation number in order to do it. I wouldn't recommend that. I don't think it's clunky and not a really great idea. I would also tell you, Murph, that, again, the difference, the swing in price, you're, you're talking about less than $10 a day in most cases. Uh, you know, I've seen these days, 2018, as of this episode of the podcast, I feel like the price of the Royal Caribbean uh, Deluxe Beverage Package ranges somewhere between $42 and $50 per person per day. So... You know, whether it's the different, if you're looking at a cruise that's $42 or $50, I mean, that's not even a cocktails difference, right? Barely that, or not maybe a beer. It's it's not enough to really make a huge dent. Like, it's not the difference between, like, you know, a $10 drink package and a $50 drink package. That I can understand. But it's really just going to be one of those, okay, it is what it is. Generally speaking, the cost of the drink package, in my experience, has been higher per day on shorter cruises. Like, if you go on a three- or four-night cruise, I feel like that price tends to be closer to 50, versus seven-night cruises or longer tend to be closer to that 42 number. Could they be on either end of the spectrum? Absolutely. There's no guarantees. Again, these are just... I'm just trying to give you ballpark expectations here. Uh, But there's really no way to know about it. Otherwise, it's just one of those things. Next is an email from Josh from Connecticut. A lot of Connecticutians here. Uh, Josh writes, First of all, thank you for the blog and podcast. The articles and message boards well prepared me for every cruise I've been on. I recently found this podcast and have been binge listening to episodes. Found that this helps keep me sane while I wait for my next cruise on Freedom of the Seas. There's one topic that doesn't seem to be addressed often. Cruising in your young 20s. I've been on four cruises, Allure of the Season 2012, Oasis in 2016, Harmony in August 2017, and Anthem in December 2017. I'll be going on Freedom of the Seas this August for a Southern Caribbean cruise out of San Juan. In terms of connecting with other passengers, Allure in 2012 was amazing 
probably because I was 15 years old and there was so much to, for teens to do together. The later cruises, I found my girlfriend and I would do more on our own, struggling to find people our own age to hang out with. We're very adventurous. We absolutely love everything. We really like the jazz club for relaxing nights and the nightclubs for nights where we want to live it up. I'm a sports fan and play basketball, rock climb, weightlift daily on board. My girlfriend also enjoys being active, karaoke, and the standard laying out in the sun to tan. We're both foodies and enjoy drinking as well. We had a blast on every cruise, but each year we make it a mission to find people our age to, to have this kind of fun with, but really never succeed. There's a ton of for kids and teens and a bunch for older adults, but not much catered to the college age who want to do more than just simply get drunk. On the Oasis class ships, they even had meetup scheduled for people our age, but no one ever shows up to those. Friends have told us to go on carnival to find people our age, but we just enjoy Royal Caribbean too much, and we prefer more than a party boat atmosphere. I'm by no means complaining, but it's something to point out in case there are other people in their early 20s who wonder what the social life for our people our age on Royal Caribbean is. I'd really appreciate your thoughts and advice. We're really excited for Freedom in August. This will be our first small ship. I can't believe you called Freedom Small. And we've been on, and I'm wondering how the experience will differ. I started cruising when Allure was the biggest ship in the world, then when Oasis was the biggest, then Harmony. I went on Anthem without my girlfriend and didn't enjoy it as much as the others. Boat felt cramped, didn't like how the daily activities were in one place in the sea plaque. So Freedom will be our first time not going on one of the largest ships than our previous cruise. Sorry for the book. Hope to hear back from you. Josh, great email. Thank you. I, I just laugh because Freedom of the Seas is not a small ship. It's like one of the, you know, it's it's like one of the largest cruise ships in the world still. Granted, it's not as big as the Oasis class, but you'll have a good time. And certainly uh, the lineage of the Oasis class draws back to the Freedom class. So I think you'll see more in common with Freedom and the Oasis class than you did with Quantum. Um, so, you know, there's that. So let's talk about, you know, cruising for someone who's in your 20s, let's say. And you, you're, you bring up an interesting point, which is that, you know, you want to find activities, and while there are some activities in the cruise compass that are supposed to be for 20-somethings, no one really goes to it. Uh, this is just one of those nuances, I think, of cruising. I think when you find, when you go on longer cruises, and I even say long, I mean, seven-night cruises, you're going to get more families. But, like I said, and I tell this to all, all people, you're going to find in Royal Caribbean a healthy mix of all ages. It doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not like all old people, it's not all kids, it's not all 30-something-year-old, you know, there's there's... There's pockets of everything in between. And I would tell you that my advice, assuming, of course, that those events aren't really working for you, a couple things I would suggest in, to begin with. Number one, try meeting people before the cruise. Before you ever set foot on board, go on places like Facebook and start looking for Facebook groups that are related to your sailing. Um, there's usually a group for most things. All you have to do is go to Facebook, go in the search bar and type Freedom of the Seas, and then type the date you're going on, the, the, the first day of your cruise, right? Uh, a lot of times you'll find Facebook groups not only for maybe the sailing you're going on, but also maybe for the ship you're on and just Facebook groups in general. There's a lot that are out there. And perhaps you could just start a post in one of those groups saying, hey, is anyone else in their 20s or give or take who wants to, you know, is going on this particular sailing? You might have a better chance at finding people before you get on board to do that. Second advice is always, you know, it sounds like you guys are active in general, but maybe go to more of the events that you'll find on, on board the ship, like the different activities, whether it's the, you know, Sexiest Man competition or one of the trivia events. I mean, look, you're going to get people from all age groups, but the more opportunities you have to meet people in these kind of activities, the more opportunities you might find people that are of your age. Certainly, I think there are some events in the daily cruise adventure that are going to be lending themselves towards Maybe ask someone of your age. I think going to the nightclubs you already do would be a, certainly something to do. But, you know, all those things, you know, are going to be some, there's a large amount of chance involved. Whereas I feel like maybe this is my inner nerd showing. 
I feel like, at least going on Facebook, you might have a better chance at it because then you can, well, you can quite clearly see how old everybody is, and you might find other people that are there. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's only a certain amount of people that are going to be in that in that age group, and only a smaller subset of that those people that are going to be wanting to willing to look for friends. A lot of times, you know, they may not be interested in making friends, so to speak. You never know. But I think being social, hanging out at the bar, and uh, you know, you never know who's going to show up there and. You know, you got to work on those, you know, making friends skills. Uh, there's only so much you can really do outside of those uh, events. I would still recommend going to the, you know, 20-something uh, events that Royal Caribbean does organize. You never know. All you need is one other, you know, couple to show up there. And maybe you have, you know, friends for the rest of the cruise. So it's worth checking out. But, you know, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And this is true of all age groups. I mean, you know, you're always trying to find someone who's, you know, you want to find a friend on, on, on board who you're going to be able to share the experience with. And I'll tell you, sometimes you find you'd be surprised that somebody who is older than you or younger than you may end up being a really, you know, fun person to hang out with regardless of their age. So you never know. Uh, let's uh, wrap things up here with an email from Dave Kane from Sandusky, Ohio. I listened to your reader, reader email segment on episode 254 on Coco K, where you responded about, about using a travel agent versus a big box store service such as Costco. Here's a real-life experience with the sailing on Jewel of the Seas in November 2017, which we booked through a travel agent. Jewel of the Seas sailed out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. I booked a flight for my wife and I to arrive the day prior to sailing, and independent of the travel agent, booked a room in the beachside hotel in Condado, the Costa Azur. From the devastation of the recent hurricane, the hotel was knocked out of commission. I let her agent know when she found herself room at the Holiday Inn Express. All fine and dandy, but what happened was FEMA and other emergency response personnel were staying at the Holiday Inn Express and decided to extend their rooms through January. The Holiday Inn Express canceled all other reservations, including ours, but did not notify those affected. Our agent discovered the cancellation when she was going over bookings for her clients. She contacted us and found another hotel, the Casablanca, which was right in Old San Juan. We ended up at a marvelous place to stay right in the heart of so many places to visit. Everything was just perfect. Had she not provided the service you talked about in your reply, we would have been stuck without a place to stay the evening prior to our cruise. It sure has been a positive impact on developing the relationship with our travel agent that you also talked about. We booked our next cruise through her, a sailing on Symphony of the Seas, on which we'll take three of our great grandchildren. By the way, the Jewel Cruise was fabulous, a celebration of our 20th wedding anniversary, second marriage for both of us. We loved everything about the ship, and it was the perfect itinerary, which included a stop in Grenada, where our one of our daughters and husband live, and which is why we took that particular sailing. Thanks for everything you do with the blog site. Dave, great insight. Thank you for sharing that story, because that is exactly why I am so uh, such a big proponent, I should say, of using a travel agent. Getting to know someone, creating a relationship with a good travel agent is going to benefit you in so many possible ways you cannot anticipate. And that story is why I, it's a great example, it's exhibit A, of why I always recommend not only booking with a travel agent, but booking with a travel agent that's going to help you and work with you and be an asset to you. And that is exactly uh, a great thing. So thank you so much, Dave, for sharing that. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Appreciate you guys spending part of your day talking with me here. And of course, uh, we'd love to have your emails here as well. So if you want to email me your thoughts about something you read on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, something you think I'm wrong about, uh, something you want to tack on to a conversation we're talking about in this episode, or maybe add your own question about your upcoming cruise, you can do so by emailing me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg. We'll talk again soon.